wants to tell you, who wants a pot of coffee? I just make coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now it's time for the man with the caffeine, the new tropics for the brain. It's Coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and uh, let's get this started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Java Chat. It's Coffee with Mike, and I get to interview somebody I've been uh, with a specialty I've been actually trying to get to come on to the podcast because this was important, and it has to do with cash flow. Uh, her name's Rochelle Kalina. She's a CPA. Rochelle, thanks for joining us on Java Chat. Thank you for having us. And she's got her coffee just like I do. Good. She, she remembers the rules. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. So where are you out of? Um, I am based out of Seattle right now. I'm currently in Northwest Arkansas, though, kind of riding out the COVID-19 storm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Probably a good idea, considering that's where everything started. That was kind of our ground zero, if I remember. Oh, yeah. It was, um, I want to say, yeah, early March, all the, you know, all the offices started closing down and, you know, there have been some other instances happening before that that made, you know, not related to COVID that had made me a little bit uncomfortable. And I just had that feeling like I got to get out. So I, I got a plane ticket on 12 hours notice and left and grateful that I did because definitely yeah. a lot more stuff went down nope. in Seattle after that. You literally like, like, like end of February, right before everything. Yeah. Like in mid-March, like about mid-March. mid-March. Yeah. So. Good call. Good call. <laughs> it's nice to be able to have that foresight every once in a while. You're just kind of looking at it going, hmm. Yeah. yeah no. Something is going to happen yeah. here. Got to get out. Got to get out. <laughs> we packing a bag and flying. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, and how long have you been a CPA? I've been a CPA since 2010. So I guess that's 10 years. Holy yeah. Crap. Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. I know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What, what interested you in, in, in finance? I mean, accounting is not exactly, forgive the stereotype, accounting isn't exactly the most exciting prof- profession on the planet, but it's freaking important. <laughs> I, I would say it's a combination of things. When I actually started school, my initial major was education. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to help people be a teacher. Um, and I just... It, in doing the classes, it felt a bit overwhelming to have to do lesson plans day after day after day after day. Oh, yeah. I can see um, that. Especially myself as an introvert, that's so much energy. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. Um, but I had taken an accounting class as a practical art when I was in high school. And I remember when I took it, I was like, this is so easy. Like, this just totally makes sense. My, I'm a very linear thinker. It just mm-hmm. it, like, completely like made sense to me. And, you know, so I decided to get my major in accounting. I wasn't really sure that was what I was going to do long term. But what I found is that I'm still able to help people by doing this. And that's really like what my end goal is, is just to be as helpful to society as possible. Right. Which, which, which leads over to the fact that you're also a small business financial coach. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you're able, so you, you're still teaching. You're not just, you're just not doing the daily lesson plans, but you're still teaching. Exactly. <laughs> and, and since then, how many estimate, how many, how many people have you been able to help? I mean, over the last, we, we started, I started my own business back in 2013 and we've had 
um, you know, I'd say with tax, you know, having tax clients and all of that, we've had well over 600 people Wonderful. in and out the door. Wonderful. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm always really surprised. And again, I think we all live in our own little world where we think everything is easy. Accounting right. has always been really straightforward and easy. My brain just works that way. Um, and it's always really, it's always nice when you're able to like, you know, take someone's financials or take someone's tax return take a look at it, find a better way and be able to get them more money back or find a way to cut costs or find a way to make it better. And again, you, as doing it day to day, it's always really hard to like think in terms of like, this isn't something that everyone else has like right. Right. mentality to look at. You That's know? true. That's true. So, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a classic of that. I, I, I joke, <laughs> I joke sometimes I keep saying I'm I'm OCD and ADD. I, it has to be perfect, just not for long. So for, for me, when, with, when it comes to logic, it's great. But at a certain point, I start losing it. And the linear well, and becomes the non-linear. That, well, I think it's the things that you're interested in, right? Yeah, and, yeah. you know, like I had a client yesterday I was talking to, and he kind of, after about 45 minutes, was like, I, I've got to excuse myself. i got to get out. And he's a very smart guy. He's a forensic psychologist. And Ooh. he's like, I love the details but not in this. Yeah. I don't want to see yeah. the details here. This is just too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I'm, I'm one of those guys that I, because I'm an entrepreneur like you, I have to look at it and I, I have to have at, at least enough of an interest in it, you know, cause we have our marketing agency that I have to pay attention to the numbers. So, you know, it's like when I was not uh, doing what I'm doing, I hated getting up in the morning and looking at my bank account. Yeah. You know, because there was always that, what did I miss? Or where am I at now? You know, or did I break my zero line? You know, and, and it's like, it's a stress. Now every morning it's just like, no, it's a process. This has to be done. It is what it is. Exactly. I, I think I think maybe there's a, an emotional attachment portion to this, to the whole thing. It, there, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Is ah, got it. Okay. There is, like, money is just a very emotional thing for people. Mm. Like, I mean, when... COVID-19 hit, you know, I essentially had to move from proactive accountant to therapist really, really fast. And, you know, some people were just, you know, and just like in life, some people were just like, you know what, we got this, we'll figure it out, blah, blah, blah. And some people were literally emailing every day, freaking out. You know, they saw something on the news that sounded like this was going to happen. And it's like, right, but it hasn't happened. And I can't advise you until it's law. So, so your next, your next degree is going to be a PSYD, correct? That's what. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like bartenders need one of these degrees. Anybody who's in finance needs these degrees. Yes, exactly. And I think that's one reason that I think accountants get such a bad rap a little bit is because money really is very emotional to people. And, but accountants tend to be like, again, very like non-emotional linear thinkers. And it can often feel like there's there's not a meeting of the minds when it comes down to this kind of. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I, learned, stuff. I learned a long time ago from a good friend of mine who was a, uh, a broker on wall street. Um, he said, do you understand what money is? And I said, yeah, it's the means by which commerce runs. He goes, go deeper. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, what is money? This is a piece of paper that's backed by basically credit. He goes, go deeper. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand. What do you mean? Go deeper. He goes, what is money? What do you feel when you talk, when you look at money? I'm like, Oh, could be happy. Could be anxiety. And he goes, why is that? 
what is the emotional attachment to? And I, I sat there, we danced around for a minute. And he goes, okay, listen, money is an agreement. That's it. If you're having anxiety over money, it's because your agreements were overextended. You shouldn't have done it. He says, before you ever make an agreement again, think about that. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people, like the ones that are emailing over and over, they're angsty over the fact that they did. They made an agreement. And they're not sure how they're going to honor that agreement. They're not sure how they're going to make it to the other side of that agreement or what have you. Yeah. Having, somebody like, having somebody like you, somebody understands the linear process, process of it, can probably help them understand that the agreement is still valid. Mm-hmm. it's how the agreement needs to be executed from that. Does that make sense? Is that, do you oh, think I'm totally on, on path? Okay. It totally makes sense. And I 100% agree. And, you know, I would just caveat that I also think that, you know, money is security. Yeah. It's, you know, if we look yeah. at like the hierarchy of needs, it's one of the very baselines. Yeah. It's bottom yeah. line. It's definitely bottom line. Yeah. I, I agree. So in the midst of all the fun things that are going on right now, <laughs> Um, and, and not even including COVID though, as a small business financial coach, <clears throat> consultant, mm-hmm. um, what are some of the trends that you're seeing that, that small business owners commit that are the, the, the wonderful foul paws of business that they, that they need to really start paying attention to? Cause I think, and we kind of talked about it in the pre-show, I'm sure this is one, that's going to be one of the issues, but there must be more than that because what is it, 82% still are failing because of certain yeah. things? What, what, yeah, what, do you, what do you see? 82% of businesses that fail is because of cash flow issues, yeah. So, um, so when we're talking about cash flow issues, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I want you to run wild on this. What have you <laughs> seen that has been just like, are you kidding me? And what, are you, what have you seen that has been like, oh, this is easily fixable. Here's a tweak. Right. So I think... In reality, the biggest issue that I've seen is people making business more complex than it actually has to be. I'm a really big proponent of like, okay, you want to start a marketing business. Great. Pick out one to two things that you're going to do. Don't try to do everything. Right. And I've definitely seen that. Like I had a client um, previously that, you know, they they did like, you know, more like promotions and um, street promotions, things like that. Right. But then they also were like, well, but these people also want social media. So then he had to hire somebody to do social media, even though he wasn't really making money off of it. It was basically just a kind of like a way of getting people into the door. And then, you know, and then they wanted to start doing this, but that meant doing, you know, hiring other people. And I mean, it was a million dollar business, where $800,000 was going towards cost of goods sold and people. Yikes. And it was so complex. And I mean, every time, like, I, I would meet with this guy every single month and we would be having a conversation, you know, how things are going. And it literally just was, it was therapy for him. It was just him griping and complaining about how his employees are running ragged. He doesn't have time for this. He can't yeah. seem to do that. And it's, you know, we basically was like, dude, you need to, like, scale back and just pick one to two things and get really, really good at that. Just be simple. And like the more simple your business is, the less employees you need to manage it and the more scalable it becomes. Like it's just doing too many things. And honestly, it's something that I 
saw in my own business as well. You know, when I started my business, it wasn't like a, okay, now, you know, honest book accounting is now open for business and everybody can come. It was like, oh, well, I have a job, but I can, you know, I like to travel. So I'm going to do some bookkeeping on the side, make a little extra travel cash. And then I got this person and then I got this person. And before I knew it, it was like, holy crap, I need to quit my job. I have all of these people that want to hire me. But the problem was because it really didn't start as an actual business where I had a business plan and I knew what I wanted to do. I had zero focus. Right. Until right. if somebody was like, Hey, I want you to do this accounting thing. I was like, okay. You know, and yeah. it took, it took several years to realize, Oh my gosh, I'm running myself into the ground because I am not focused. Like I'm right. literally just taking anybody who wants an accounting thing done. And so like, we did have to really like about a year ago to say, like, put a stop and say, Hey, okay, we need to refocus. And this is what we're doing. And this right. is all we're doing. And, and the- you know, yeah, it created some problems, but the truth is my quality of life is so much better. Now. Oh, I bet. I bet when you have, when you have, and I think, I think that actually falls under the, 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 one of the first questions I usually ask is what's your best piece of advice to somebody that's got a small business. I think you just gave it. <laughs> just stay simple, stay as simple as you possibly can. Cause really like when it comes, I mean, like we were talking about it kind of pre-show is, um, you know, what's the new hot thing? What's this, what, you know, Shiny like, objects what's the syndrome. new trend? Yep. All right? day long. Exactly. The new object. And I kind of feel like it's, my analogy that I like to use is like accounting or, you know, not even accounting, but business finance is a lot like weight loss. Yeah. Like it's a really simple formula. You have to burn more calories <clears throat> than you take in. Than you yeah. Take in. yeah. And, but there's all these like shiny objects around it that don't work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like really, I mean, some things might work, but really most of it is just fads. Long-term doesn't work. Like, there you the go. Same thing with business, you know, financials. You need more money to come in than is going out. Correct. And there's all these different, like, you know, ways to look at it. But the core is you need more money coming in than going out. Yeah. So, like, yeah. what are the big, big expenses? People. People are the big expense. And, again, the more, you know, complicated you make your business, the bigger your business gets, the more people you need and the more, you know, cash flow becomes a really hard thing. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to create. Well, most people that decide they want to open a business that I've come across, and this is this is from the angel investment side of things that I used to see. Um, that was always one of the things we wanted to see is how the financials look. How, you know, does it does it make sense? What's the business concept, and and what's the mentality of of the people that are going to be running the business? Are they running it to create a solution that they can walk away from later? In other words, is this a business or is this a baby? Mm-hmm. If this is a baby, you're not going to go very far. It's it's just trend. It trend where we were in tech. That's just if it's your baby, you're not going to want to let it go when it's time to let go. You're going to be stuck in it. And once you once you hit the top of the bell curve and it starts going downhill, all the anxieties and all the, all all of the things that you expect to go bad are going to go bad because you now have a job. You don't, and once you once you hit the top of the bell curve and it starts going downhill. All the anxieties and all the, all, all of the things that you expect to go bad are going to go bad because you now have a job. You don't have a business anymore because now you've got, like you said, you have people, you have other expenses that you have to worry about and you have to figure out how to get more cash flow in, which usually means hiring more programmers and hiring more coders. And, and, and that's two different things when most people don't realize 
programmers and then coders and then other people that help with design and graphics and all that stuff. And if you don't have those skills or the time to put into it to make that work, you got yourself another job. Why in the world did you start the business in the first place? So looking at that, um, that's in fact, I need to write that one down. Focus. <laughs> Biggest one. Um, when it comes to who, who do you work with mostly? Do you, do you stick within a certain niche when it comes to accounting? We, on the accounting side of things, I work primarily with childcare businesses. Nice. Um, schools, daycares. Um, again, being a former wannabe teacher, it's just more of a passion than um, some other businesses out You're there. You're still a teacher, though. I know. <laughs> I think, you know, it's interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think it's interesting that most people believe that the term teacher belongs to somebody who's in a classroom. And I, I'm sorry, but I just don't agree with that. Teachers are, are revered in my mind. I had some great ones. I had some not so great ones. But anybody, and, and maybe it's mentor, because at the, at, the, at the point of the specialty that you're in, maybe it's mentor. But mm -hmm. the, it's still a teacher. It's somebody who's bringing information that other people don't have. I mean, you take a balance sheet to the, to the average Joe. Mm -hmm. How much deer in the headlights are you going to get off of that one? Exactly. That's, an, that's an all-day deal you hand it off to somebody like yourself you can look at it and go oh here's your problem you're missing this you're not doing this you're in need of more of this you need to do this on average <clears throat> this ought to be fun on average when you come to a business how well are their sheets when, when you're looking at balance sheets or when you're looking at accounting reports are they anywhere near where they need to be so it depends if if we are their first accountant, absolutely not. Nowhere close. <laughs> if they had a You're never looking at my sheets. You will never <laughs> see my sheets. If it, yeah, if they previously had an accountant, then usually it's a fairly straightforward kind of pickup. Um, but yeah, if, if they've never had an accountant before, yeah, it's, it's always a little bit, I wouldn't say terrifying because again, it's a puzzle for me and I like yeah. to take it apart and put it back together in the right way. But um, yeah. So when you when you're looking at when you're looking at a business, um, and you're ob you're obviously looking at it from from the financial standpoint, what are the things you're looking for the most? What are, and the and the reason I'm asking this is because some of our listeners that have businesses can go back and start picking apart their own, hopefully, um, and and figure out maybe this is what their issue may be. Mm -hmm. What kinds of things do you look for? So the first thing I always look at, and you just. And I'm afraid to say it after your last comment, but um, <laughs> the first thing I always look at is the balance sheet. And that's, that is an, and that's an old auditor trick. So I actually started my career as an auditor at the big four accounting firm. Um, and what we learned is if the balance sheet is wrong, the income statement is wrong. Because those oh, all, all day. financials are 100% tied to each other. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, like, if you have, like, a weird you know, balance somewhere in the, you know, in the um, balance sheet. Like, so let's say like accounts receivable, let's say you know that you only have $10,000 out there, but for whatever reason, your accounts receivable balance is $90,000 because something, you know, that the income statement is. Wrong. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And that's where I always start is just pulling apart a balance sheet. <laughs> is there any kind of resource that you know of that people can actually, I mean, I'm, I, I oversimplify it. Everybody's got Google. Go to YouTube. Um, but you have people out there that, that also are 
they sometimes they overcomplicate things to try to simplify things if if that makes sense. Yes. Um, so there, where would yeah. where would be a good place for somebody to start if they they just don't know? Um, so my, I mean, first I'm going to kind of baseline and say, if you don't have an accounting system, I absolutely recommend using QuickBooks online. It's the easiest. It's, you know, I got that. It's one check mark for me. Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. Like there are a lot of other, um, you know, systems out there, but I have just not found that they're quite as user friendly, quite as robust. Absolutely. Um, with that being said, QuickBooks does have a really great two-day course where they nice. will literally walk you through everything you need to know to have your financials in order. Sweet. Um, we, uh, we had a couple of our new employees like go through it and you know they both kind of agreed like hey I think this was actually a little bit too like low level for us we already kind of knew this stuff right. um but it's definitely they were like yeah we definitely recommend it to any client who literally knows nothing about accounting or just has like the minimal amount of knowledge sweet sweet awesome I'm trying to think what other things like when you're looking at when you're looking at forecasting or budgeting and things of that nature what kind of things should people be looking out for i mean i know our biggest one that we were talking about was cash flow but what other things can they be looking out for? Oh, that's a really, really good question. I'm a really big fan of KPIs. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so one of the our like little secret weapons that we like to use is a system called Fathom HQ. Fathom? Um, and it, Fathom. Yep, Fathom HQ. Um, and it connects directly into QuickBooks. And what's amazing about it is it shows... It shows everything about your financials in pictures. Oh, nice. And you're able to set up KPIs. So if you're like, okay, well, revenue, I want to be at $30,000 a month. You would set that as a KPI. And when you look at Fathom, it's going to tell you last month you were at 25000 You wanted to be at 30000 Here's the variance. Um, and... You can do this and you can create your own KPIs as well. Like, so if there's something important to you, like, you know, for example, for us, like one of our big metrics that we like to look at is like, what is our average revenue per client that we're working with? Right. That's something I can set up in there. I would have to like add a little math equation and now I have that as my KPI. And again, it's going to tell us and really it's very visual. If things are good. It's green with a check. If it's bad, it's an X red um, but what's really, what I really like about the system is that it also has this thing called goal seek. And so it actually will tell you based on where, what information you put in, like where you want to be versus what actually happened. It'll tell you like, okay, if you want to fix this, you need to raise your prices by 10%. Gotcha. Or you need to, you know, decrease your variable expenses by X amount, or you need to increase your volume, volume by X amount. And it tells you all of that information. And it's That's just, cool. it's so very clear um, way to see it. And I really highly recommend it for anybody who's not an accounting person because all of the reporting is so visual versus sitting there staring at a spreadsheet. Yeah, I think I, the bottom line actually tells you because that's the problem. Um, and something I talk to my clients about a lot is you look at the income statement, you look at the bottom line and they're like, okay, I made $10,000. Why isn't there $10,000 more in the bank? And it's because there's these weird things that happen where things are on the balance sheet, they're, you know, they're actually yep. paid off of debt versus an expense. So yep. 
you know, so you don't really see what your true cash flow is by looking at the income statement. Exactly. But most people just glaze over looking at it anyway. So anything that can just show you in a very visual way, I think is a huge win. Considering how many entrepreneurs are heavy creatives and visual, that's, that's beautiful. I, I, I'm actually going to go look at that after this. That's a good one. You brought up an interesting point on pricing. Um, and this has always been a, a grumble of minds, if you will. Um, only because I'm familiar with the the coaching and consulting world, um, where they they have some pretty hefty price tags, mm -hmm. um, and they make some big promises. And there's a there's a bunch of them out there that, unfortunately, the word charlatan comes out with um, because they just don't provide they don't provide the value. But that said, if you have something of value, how do you, especially if you're talking about service based businesses, it's hard to sell an intangible. You know, we do, we, and the tangible with us is, is data because we work with AI machine learning and all that kind of stuff. So it's data targeting, but that's still a service. So when you're considering pricing, how do you, I mean, how do you approach that from an accounting standpoint? I mean, what are you looking for? Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, obviously you can, you know, take a look at like what the average in the market is, um, you know, and I know I 100% agree and I'm going to kind of like probably shoot myself in the foot a little bit by saying all of this, but you know, like with coaches, business coaches, the typical tends to be a thousand to $2,000 a month. If, if that's the typical, I'm sitting with some real high level dudes. I can tell you that <laughs> right now. Cause that's but nowhere near what they charge. I mean, obviously I know there's a like people who are, you know, paying a lot more than that, but like, let's just say that. Um, you know, I, you, I would say as a coach or as a, a service provider, you obviously, you want to price yourself within at least the average. You don't want, sure. like me personally, like I could be like, well, I'm going to spend four hours a month with this person and I want to make like X amount of money. So that's about $800. So I'm just going to say $800. Well, the problem that can come from that obviously is that people don't value your services as much if you're lower than everyone else. And a lot of times, weirdly, when people don't value your services, they tend to walk over your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you definitely want to know what is out there so that you can price yourself around it. But I think you also have to step back and go, okay, like, like you said, we have intangibles. Okay, what is my average? How much, when I'm working with somebody, how much do we raise their revenue typically? How much do we cut their costs typically? How much do we streamline their business? How much do we improve their employee retention? All of these things, how, do, how are we doing it? And if you can't look at your price tag and look at those metrics mm -hmm. and feel good about what's happening, then you probably shouldn't be in business. Right, right, no, 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 I, and I agree. One of, the, one of the models that we do <clears throat> and did actually a lot before um, was a percentage of revenue while covering costs. In other words, We'll help you get there because you're just a startup. You don't have, you know, you don't have the golden treasure chest sitting in the back room that you can pull a gold coin out of. We get it, but you need the service because if you don't have the service, I don't care what you do. You're not going to get found. You're not going to get your branding and you're not going to be, you're, you're just not going to get any clients. I mean, unless you want to go out and hump it every day, uh, cold calling everybody. And if that's you, wonderful. That, that Don't get me wrong. That's a, that's still effective, believe it or not. Um, right. Even with the new, new stuff that's coming out. But if you don't and you need help, we're at the point of 
this is how we can do this. Help us cover the cost of things. Help us cover the cost of some of our employees. We'll leave the profit out of it for now. And then down the line, as revenue grows, you, you give us a percentage as if we were part owner. Um, for us, that's worked in the past. We're kind of doing that now with another client that we have. Um, everything else is, you know, mid-range of, of what is expected in the, in the marketplace. So I'm, I'm, I'm dead on with you on that one. And I think, honestly, I think the scary part of that is it goes back to people's psychology. You know, like, yeah, we can say like, okay, we'll get a percentage of what, you know, you are doing, you know, where we're able to raise you up, but it's so dependent on the person. It's, it's dependent on the business succeeding. Yeah. yeah. And that's that the only, the only reason really terrifying it is, don't get me wrong. You got to remember, I'm, I'm kind of a, um, you know, they say when you, when you take a, when you take a bet, you try to hedge it as best as you can. Mm-hmm. And in, in the case of looking at a business going, you got a great product or service, which what we used to do in angel investing, literally we would come in and bring our team of people. I'd be the guy to take care of the marketing. And there was another guy for operations and for legal. We'd fill the holes in and then we would push to make it a success. I don't do that as much now. Like I said, we're doing it with like one client right now. Right. Um, but it, it wasn't, it was an option at the time to do, because we could, we could see the future revenue and scalability of what's coming. Right. If, if we can't viably see that, like as in, and oh, this will get us me, into this. I'm gonna go do something really quick, I'm sorry. You got it, you're good. You know, it's interesting. Animals have been getting involved in these podcasts a lot more lately and I'm actually enjoying it, it's kind of fun. We have um, four kittens. Oh my goodness. Three month old kittens right now. Oh boy. <laughs> oh yes, they are. They got energy all day for days. It's, it's awesome yes. to watch. Um, so we were I was just about to get into um, when we're looking at their plan. Um, and I, I, I want your opinion on long-term planning um, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people miss that part too. They look at it as like, we're going to go in, we're going to make a bunch of money. We're going to do really well. We're going to get rich. And I look at them and I go, okay, where's your tenure? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, where are you at in 10 years? Oh, we'll be doing this. No, 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 no. Where are you going to be at in 10 years? As an angel investment uh, uh, investment manager, I was the guy that had to go out and go find the right deals. If there wasn't a, a one, two, ten, five, and 10, it wasn't going to be brought to the, to, the, to the partnership. I wasn't going to even let it through. Right. There has to be a forward plan. With the one that we're doing now, we can see the forward plan. Plus they just brought on some new people that are actually successful in that niche that are going that are now putting in time. So it makes more sense for us to do it that way. Because we know there's going to be revenue. And it's a niche that that once you hit a certain tipping point, the profits are insane. Um, so it but when you're looking at a long-term plan from an accounting standpoint, what would be some of the best advice you could give somebody as the profits are insane? Um, so it, but when you're looking at a long-term plan from an accounting standpoint, what would be some of the best advice you could give somebody as their startup or if they're already in business, just from those two standpoints? Um, well, kind of getting back to what I was saying earlier with, you know, obviously the bigger a company gets, the more people are involved. And I think that when people are forecasting out for 10 years, they don't really take that into consideration. They don't take into consideration that when you hit a million dollars in revenue, 
that's typically when you need to bring in an admin. That's typically when you need to bring in a sales, you know, a dedicated yep. salesperson, yep. dedicated marketing person. Yep. And there's this terminology, like basically, like we call the black hole between a million and three point five million dollars in revenue, where that's kind of the transition period where you have to bring in all these people. And it cuts into your profit margins in such a severe way that a lot of people have a hard time getting past that. And that's definitely something that just needs to be considered when you are forecasting this out, that it's not just like, okay, well, my profit margin is 40%, or, you know, 40%. So for every extra dollar, I'm getting 40 cents. Well, right up until a point. Right. And then you need a bigger office. And then you need more dedicated administrative people. And, you know, the salesperson you're bringing in, are you going to pay them commission? You know, you have to really be thinking about like, okay, like what does growth really mean financially? Agreed. And I think once you get to a certain point, when you're talking about one to three, as far as the million, the million dollar black hole, if you will, um, because it's interesting. I know some coaches that have said, you know, getting to the first mill is the, is the absolute pain in the ass. That's the, that's, that's the place where you learn the most. It's the place where you fail the most. And that's the place where you have the hardest time in particular with your accountant. Oh, I definitely agree. I think it's really hard to get to that point. But when people tend to think though, that after you hit a million, it's smooth sailing. Oh, no, no. Yeah. And then they, 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 they go, there is, there's, it's not as hard to get to the next from 1 million forward to 5 million. The, the planning that's involved and the amount of changes that you have to become aware of and really pay attention to um and, and i'm, I'm going to want your opinion on this too um i should say your expertise on this uh, because when you're talking about making a big change like that you're talking about a change in commitment of capital and uh, in fact this is a, probably a good time for us to take a short break guys but we're, we're going to take a break I want, when we come back we're going to talk about that just what we're, when when you're looking at scaling a business there are some major changes that have to happen and, it, and it's not just on the balance sheet it's in the brain, in the heart, and understanding the emotional part that comes with this. So we're gonna we're gonna go back to having you be a therapist for a little bit when we come back from our break. So we're gonna take a short break, guys, and we'll be right back. Okay, guys, we're back. So we were just talking about um, the mental part and the emotional part of making big changes in your business. When you get to that point where you've hit a million in revenue and you've gotten your book straight, and we're just gonna go with the perfect scenario, so to speak. Um, and you're there and you want to go to the next level. You want to get up to that next, that next jump. A lot of entrepreneurs I know freeze. Not only are they clueless as to what's next for the most part. Um, and, and there are those that know exactly what they need to do and they freeze even faster. What is, what's your advice for somebody that's looking at, cause you're talking about one giving up some control. I know that's coming. Cause you're going to have to start delegating and start trusting other people to do stuff mm-hmm. and, and being able to have more trust in people that are not you. Yeah. I mean, the old adage of no one does it as good as I do it as good as I do is absolutely true. However, um, and there, there are other celebrities out there like Gary Vee that talk about this all the time. If you mm-hmm. don't give them space to grow, how are you? Right. So, what do you, what, what, what's your, what's your perspective on that from an accounting standpoint? I, I 100, 100% agree. Um, and this is where, you know, so there, I think there are two parts to it. There is first the person who, you know, like you said, it's their baby 
and they took it from here yeah. and now it's here and now it's yeah. a business. It's a grown up movie at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. And letting go of that and trusting other people is extremely hard. But the other side of it is knowing how to hire the right people. Because okay. again, in my experience as coach with coaching is that hiring is one of the most stressful and oh, yeah. one of the hardest things that you can do. Um, finding the right people, making sure that they're compensated the way that they should be, retaining them. I mean, we're in this, like, you know, this world now where people don't stay as long as they used to, and you invest all of this time and energy for them to leave. And it's just a very, it becomes very, very frustrating. So, and I, we also tend to live in a world where we think anybody can be a manager. If you're competent at your job, you can be a manager. And that's <laughs> the 70s and 80s completely disprove that easily. <laughs> It's like, that's why most managers fail, quite yeah. frankly. So like, if I was going to give anybody like advice as to taking it to the next step, like one, and this is just me personally, get a therapist. Two. Um, oh yeah. Get a therapist. I'm, I'm get, down with that. Get business, you know, get a coach, not necessarily a business coach, but get a coach that's going to tell you, like show you and train you how to be a real manager. Right. And three, have a really good system of hiring, which includes, you know, I would even say like cognitive testing, making sure right. that, you know, the way that they reason through things, that their, um, their emotional state, that their, um, just generally their demeanor fits in with your culture. You know, that used to be one of the questions in the interviews. What's the most stressful situation you've ever gone through and how do you deal, how, how did you deal with it? I don't hear that in, in as many interviews anymore. In fact, I don't see that question on a lot of questionnaires. They, they just put you through the personality test and see, you know, right. how does, how does it, how does this do? And what, what quadrant are you in? Which I still think you should be asking behavioral questions. I, I do too. And, and only because I think for the most part, we as entrepreneurs, which are absolute control freaks, we, we need to know that somebody else can be that control freak for us without freaking out. Um, I, I, so I'll share this, I'll share this story I learned years ago when I was, um, <laughs> when, when I was over at, um, I used to work for uh, one of the, uh, embassy vacation resorts, um, back on Maui. And one of my leads, uh, used to be the manager of, I think it was a subway mm. and, um, no plug for subway. I just said, that's where he worked. I'm just, <laughs> just, they're not a sponsor you guys. Okay. I just want to make it clear. <laughs> Um, so he had a, a, I guess the shift, a shift lead or somebody else that was there and, uh, they were, they were getting inundated. I mean, for some reason they just had a lot of business that day and all of a sudden they were running out of supplies. They were running out of lettuce and running out of tomatoes and running out of everything. And there were still people there and his lead freaked out, went over to the wall, turned off the lights and just yelled out, we're closed. We have nothing left. And my, 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 my lead was looking at him going what are you doing? <laughs> I just lost it. And it's like, yeah, the franchise is not going to be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, definitely next time you're interviewing, don't bring up that story <laughs> and how you reacted during a stressful situation. Exactly. If, if, that, if that's your story, I'm sorry, don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But I mean, it is, I mean, it's kind of amazing. Like, I mean, one of my anecdotal stories, I had a, a client who she sent me like a kind of like, she was getting ready to hire somebody and she sent me the benefits package. And uh -huh. it was their first time hiring. 
And it was just an insane benefits package. You know, it was like a decent salary. And then it was like a certain amount of like, you know, hourly billing percentage and then like reimbursing for like rent when working at home and paying, for, you know, just like, I mean, just yeah. all of these things that I had to kind of go back and just be like, Hey, like, I totally understand you want to retain this person, but, but you need to tr like, you need to get their trust first and you need it for them, you know, like you have to make sure that this is going to work out before you give them everything. Because if you give them everything up front, there's, there's no value. Else. Yeah, there's, there's no value. Nothing else to give them. Yeah, and then exactly. there's an expectation. I was trying to tell them the story of like somebody we hired, it was a CPA, and I had worked with her at Deloitte. She was a CPA on a big client, well liked, really awesome. And I had no reason to not think it was going to work out. And I ended up giving her everything up front, you know, decent salary, you know, benefits, work from home, pretty much, you know, half the right. week. And then when, you know, a few months passed, it was, she was like, okay, like I've been doing it now. What, like, what, what are you going to give me now to continue? Essentially, <clears throat> was kind of the attitude. And it was like, there was nothing else to give. Yeah. It. Yeah. You don't want to run out of, you don't want to run out of road. <laughs> yeah. You, you run out of road real quick when you do that. You don't want to give them the Ferrari right out the gate. They'll get to the end and they'll be like, is there any more road? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I, it's, it's, there's a, there's a, I, I wish I'd have thought about this. I'd have pulled it up so I could read it for you. But there's an old joke about an engineering uh, student that, that's getting ready to come out of college. Goes to a firm and sister goes, well, I figure that, you know, that I have my degree now. I figured, you know, 120,000 and maybe some, you know, some insurance benefits. And, and the HR director's like, oh, oh, actually, um, we have, a, we have a, a bigger package than that. We actually, we offer your salary. We get your insurance. We, we do matching for your 401k. You get a company car, any any kind of car that you want. Usually, our guys choose a, a, a Corvette in red. Uh, you get the monthly lease paid on that, and you get a nice you get a nice office upstairs. And this this engineering student's going, "Wow, I get all that." He and the HR starts laughing because, "No, but you started it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's like yeah, be careful with be, be careful with your. So oh, that's a good question too. Then, if you're going to design a benefits package, what are the essentials to for for a start? What would be the essentials that um, is enough that leaves room to grow, and and isn't so thin that it makes it a stress on somebody? I mean, I, and I realize that that's yeah. that's going to vary I mean, from niche to niche. I mean, I think like the, the the basics for you know any new employee is obviously a reasonable salary. Um, health insurance and the ability to contribute to a 401k. Like that's those, like those are the baseline. The base. I mean, you know, vacation time, you know, that I'm a big fan of kind of starting out a little bit slow there and then working up like, Hey, you make it to three years, you get three to four weeks, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I think that's something to grow into. Um, and then I'm also, when it comes to the 401k, like having that rule of like, you know, hey, we have a discretionary match, kind of that way you can, if you don't have the cash, you are able to say, well, it was discretionary, but also like, you know, maybe that match kicks in a year down the road or something like that. Like kind of set it up. Same thing with bonuses. Like I'm a really big fan. Like one of the best bonus programs I ever saw with a company, they actually did it twice a year. Like it was for a full year, but they paid it out twice. So if they, they got it in January, they wouldn't just quit in January. Exactly. After they got the bonus, they had to stay until June to get the second half of the bonus. And that went 
by that time you're halfway through the year, why not stay another six months to go through this? Well, and, you, and, and you've probably been motivated enough to run through the full six months and just keep working towards a bigger bonus for the next, not for the one and a half year, but the next annual. Exactly. But I know I mean, just on the other side of that though, like, I mean, I learned one thing I really did learn when I was hiring for new employees as I never advertised that we're remote work. We are remote work, but I never advertise for it yeah. because it just, it creates this <clears throat> expectation up front that it's just, this going to be this super easy, like, I don't really have to try a job or we get a lot of people who apply for it that aren't qualified and I have to spend time going through all those resumes. Like I never say, Hey, this is a remote work environment. And it's just you, you sort just, of a happy you surprise. Just, you just, you just, you just told me I need to go change one of my job listings. Um, <laughs> like literally, thank you. Um, it, but it makes sense. I mean, when somebody knows that they're going to be committed to in a, a space, if you will, um, mentally, they have to be prepared that they're going to, they're going to be held accountable. Right. Um, our accountability with our VAs, we have a different kind of deal for the accountability thing. You know, we have, we have a, a screenshot uh, that, that happens every so many seconds or so many minutes mm -hmm. to make sure that they're actually on the clock and working. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, if they, if they are, if they're not, and they're, the screenshot shows they're somewhere else not working, mm -hmm. then they get dock time. And, right. And they agree to it. I mean, it's like, okay, look, you're halfway around the world. I have to be sure that I'm, I'm actually paying you to work and not go hang out on Facebook. So right. if I don't, if I don't see our screen and I don't see progress on the, on the work, I will be asking. Mm -hmm. And if we find out it's not happening, you're not, you're not getting paid for that time. I mean, let's be fair about it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> cool. One second, please. Loving the allergy thing. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. So when you're using, when you're using, um, well, let's just say, um, if you're going to do a financial an an analysis <clears throat> of your business, how would you improve that? How would you use that to improve your decision-making process? I mean, what would you, what would you, I mean, we talked about KPIs, but I mean, <clears throat> as a whole, how would you use that to be able to figure out, yes, we can do the next thing? What, what, what other things are we looking at? Or is it all KPI based? I mean, mostly I'm looking at KPIs. Um, that tends to be like how, again, very linear thinker and how I kind of roll. Um, is there a sweet spot that, is, is there a sweet spot that you know of that, that it starts to make sense as far as that's concerned or? Not, I mean, not really, I guess. I don't have a good answer for that. Um, but the, well, the reason I ask that is because there are, there are some people that'll sit there and go, yeah, we're going to, we're going to get to this point. And you still need somebody with expertise like yours to take a, a good, solid, honest look. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, generally speaking, I usually tell people like when people are trying to come on. So it's a little bit tricky because what I tell people is that accounting fees in general should not exceed one and a half percent of their revenue. Got it. And we, you know, for us, again, you know, I'm, my goal in life is obviously to help people, but also just to have a good work-life balance. And so I want as few clients as I can. Sure. So we have minimums that are in place. So, you know, if you're at $250,000, then you're really probably not going to be spending more than $300 a month. Um, so that kind of falls into a little bit 
slow for us to be taking them on. Not to say we haven't done it in the past, but you sure, know. sure. Um, but generally speaking, I usually will tell people once they have revenue, they should have an accounting system. Like hands down, that's it. Like if they have revenue and they have expenses, they need to be tracking it. They can obviously use an Excel spreadsheet, but it's going to cause them more heartache in the end because once you once you you know pass a certain point you're going to have to move to an accounting system and then you're going to have to backfill all that information in order for your books to be correct. So usually what I'll tell people is like, as soon as they have, have minimums that are in place. So, you know, if you're at $250,000, then you're really probably not going to be spending more than $300 a month. Um, so that kind of falls into a little bit low for us to be taking them on. Not to say we haven't done it in the past, but you sure, know, sure. Um, but generally speaking, I usually will tell people once they have revenue, they should have an accounting system, like hands down, that's it. Like if they have revenue and they have expenses, they need to be tracking it. They can obviously use an Excel spreadsheet, but it's going to cause them more heartache in the end. Cause once you, once you, you know, pass a certain point, you're going to have to move to an accounting system and then you're going to have to backfill all that information in order for your books to be correct. So usually what I'll tell people is like, as soon as they have revenue, have an accounting system, even if it's, you know, just QuickBooks essentials or whatever, QuickStart, the lowest version there is. Um, as far as when to bring in a professional, like I, again, I always think unless you are a tax preparer yourself, always have your taxes done always if you're a business owner have a professional do your taxes i promise you I've, it's going to turn would, out in a better situation than i've i've done yourself. it i've done it myself <laughs> i've literally read through the book the irs code uh, that they give out to figure out what i could i've even gone to google and youtube to try to figure out you know what are the max deductions i've never come close yeah i, yeah. I just haven't it, it's there's and, and, there's and so much to remember it's confusing because the IRS says, well, you can deduct if it if it's necessary and reasonable or necessary and ordinary. That's the rules. Like it, they're so broad. And, and so, then, and then when you get audited and you go, well, is this really normal and necessary? I'm like, well, yeah, it is. Why, why wouldn't that be? I, now mind you, I haven't been audited, but I have friends that have, if I told you some of the stories, a couple of my buddies do that. It, it, oh, writes, I, had somebody, I had somebody who was having their car valeted every single day. Like they would pull up to their office and have someone go park their car for them. And they wanted to call that a business expense. I was like, that is neither ordinary nor necessary. No. Yeah. You can't, you can't, <laughs> yeah, you can't, but I've, I've heard guys that have actually justified uh, fish food to maintain fish because it's a part of the backdrop that causes calm the in the midst culture. of their business dealing. It's, it's the, the business thing. culture. And he gets away with it. He gets away with it every year. I was just like, <laughs> I've had clients who are like, I want to deduct like the dogs, my dog sitting expenses, like to have a babysitter. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but the IRS doesn't allow you to deduct childcare expenses as yeah. a business expense. It's a personal expense. So like, yeah. why would you think it's okay to deduct yeah. dog care? It's not. Let's Unless your business is a dog care, that's a different exactly. story. Exactly, and then it's a different story. Um, <laughs> but I, mean, so I definitely recommend everybody who has a business having taxes done by a professional. As far as like keeping the books day to day, I will usually say around two hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand dollars in revenue. That's kind of the tipping point where things are probably getting more complex, or yeah. you're getting busy enough that it is not a good use of your time.
Yeah, I, I, I agree with that one. Um, we have a tendency just within our business model, we have a tendency to deal with companies that are five to 10 million in sales revenue per year. I don't know what their net is, but as long as they're doing that, they can afford what we have as far as the data machine learning that we, that we promote and provide. Yeah. Um, we've, we've done it with lesser companies. I shouldn't say lesser companies. Sorry. We've done it with companies with lesser revenue um, that we could see it being a benefit to but we try to shy away from that. So that that's for those of you that are listening, she's talking about putting limitations to what you're willing to work with as far as who your clients are going to be. If, if, if you don't understand where they're at then you don't understand where they need to get to or where they versus where they want to get to that, that is also a difference too. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. Sure. If you, if you don't understand those, those kind of KPIs, if you will, um, you're going to get into a situation where you have a problem child like the email every day. We we pretty sure we were talking about COVID and how all the craziness is going on with some people. They're just like, yeah, we'll get through it. And some people are like, oh my God, we're going to die. You know, literally the world's coming to an end and it's like, no, it's not. Chill out. Um, But if you don't understand those, the difference between those two and where those are at, you're going to end up with a problem child for one. You're also going to end up working way more for that client than was actually agreed to. And you're only, you're only causing yourself more angst. Yeah. I love the fact and, and I'm, I'm like this too. I love the fact fewer clients, greater lifetime cash value. Um, huge proponent of uh, return on customer. Do you ever read that book? I'll, I'll send you the title. You will love it. Um, return on customer focuses on lifetime cash value of a customer. Um, and I think some people misunderstood the, the premise behind the theory of staying ahead of your customer's needs and providing them with it because you, you just talked about it a little while ago well uh, we, we wanted to be able to do social media we wanted to be able to do no funnel building we wanted to be able to do this because it's just more money for in-house yeah but it's also more cost in-house mm-hmm. you look to get ahead of it there's other such things like white labeling mm-hmm. be an account manager let somebody else do the work we do that with our business while we have the services available we don't do them all ourselves and we tell our clients look i use somebody else to do this I'm going to manage it and be the intermediary because there's a lot of jargon that you don't want to have to deal with, or it's just something you shouldn't be dealing with right now. Exactly. We can shoulder that. We'll manage it with them. They'll get the results and we'll go from there. Exactly. Exactly. So what, goodness, guess what? We're already at an hour. (laughs) I love this. I can keep talking if you can. I can. And trust me, we're probably going to need to do this again um, because there's a lot more going down. Um, We're in an interesting time. um, And and we'll take just a few minutes to touch on this. And hopefully down the road, this will be a subject of the past, but I think it's relevant right now. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we're in the midst of the the COVID situation. Um, It has definitely affected a lot of businesses. Um, The SBA came out with a couple of of programs. the triple P, the, the payment protection program, or otherwise known as a triple P just got extended. Yep. Um, and then there's still, I think the EIDL is no longer available. Um, I'm not sure about that. I, I'm, I, do you have any insights on, <clears throat> do you have any insights on whether somebody should really be going after that right now? You know, and what, I'm, and what, and what the ramifications may be because these are essentially loans if I remember yeah. correctly, I know the EIDL is. So it's, I mean, it's, honestly, this has been, so I, was, I always make this joke because as a CPA, I have to do 
continuing education. Mm -hmm. And you have to do 120 hours every three years. And so we have this joke that like Christmas, the week of Christmas on the third year, I'm like just <laughs> walking through all of my like, you know, <laughs> continuing education. Just and like this state. year, and this year, like I'm already half done because I keep having to watch these webinars for all of the changes right. that are happening. And I mean, it's like literally I will send an email to a client saying, these are the rules. And tomorrow I get an email saying, these are no longer the rules. And so then we're like, okay, like let's figure out. Isn't that frustrating? Do. I mean, that, that just becomes like a, an, an inundation of what's the purpose if you guys are going to keep changing things. It's frustrating for two reasons. I mean, I think like one is the very obvious and I don't think I fall into this category, but the very obvious like accountants are very set in their ways and the whole constant change management is it's a hard. Yeah. Um, but I, it's also just really, really frustrating because we can only, we can only um, advise to what the current rules are, not right. what might happen. You know, so like we had, you know, certain people that like, you know, were they're like escape rooms or they are, you know, arcades. They can't open yet. They had this money and they had a time limit. So literally they were like considering just paying people to stay at home because they needed to use the money. Otherwise it became a loan. Right. And, you know, and luckily before we kind of crossed that bridge, they made the rule like, okay, now we're extending it out to 24 weeks. And so hopefully now that'll give us time to get to phase four in, you know, in that area and they can open and use the money as they need to open. Um, same thing with like coffee shops, you know, we had a few coffee shops where, you know, they were really running on 50%. They couldn't possibly have spent all that money in the time right. that was being given. So, right. but you know, before that I was like, oh, you know, owner, you need to be put on payroll so we can spend this money because we can only advise to what was currently going on. Right. Um, so just, it was a lot to deal with. And I mean, it still is. And one of the biggest like things that we're currently trying to, to figure out, and again, keep in mind, this is current as of today, could change tomorrow, is that they have had this guidance saying that you can't use the EIDL for the same purposes as the PPP loan. Uh -huh. But they have made no they've made no like rule about whether or not well, once you've spent the PPP loan and you're now out of that eight week period, if you use the eight week period, then can you use the EIDL for payroll? That, that still hasn't been answered. So I've literally got people who have gone through all their PPP, they have an EIDL and they're just sitting on the money because they don't know if they can, are allowed to use it because if it's found that they use that money improperly, then the PPP loan is no longer forgiven. Right. And right. so, like, there's just these these issues that, like, I mean, I think what I'll say is I I think that the government did a good job at trying to respond, but just like anything else, when you're trying to respond in a crisis, not every single scenario can be thought of. No, you know what I, mean? I, I and I think I think they're hampered uh, at at some points by by some of their own protocols and processes um, sure. in order in order to make things much clearer as you've as you've mentioned um when we looked into it um because we were affected i mean obviously you know who wants marketing when you can't even be open right and and we literally had to shift to well you should still be talking to your clients and here's where you should be talking to them and this is how you should be talking to them but getting them to realize that and uh, investing in it was still it was still rough so we took a hit oh yeah, oh, yeah. um and and you know we applied for the eidl we got a little one there's only three of us, um, and and we're K one owners. 
me. We're not, we're not even employees of the LLC and the, and we right. literally just incorporated last month. Mm. Um, previously we were just JV partners, you know, there's, there's three of us. So we're looking at a, we're looking at a situation where we can't even use the PPP because none of us are on payroll and we right. don't have one and we're not there yet. Um, right. when that time comes, if it's still available, we might, but mm -hmm. there's no reason to right now. You know, right. and, I'm, and I'm sure there's other companies just like ours that, that have this same issue. Um, well, and I think it's going to get harder, too, because, you know, initially when they first put out the PDP, they said, you know, everybody is going to get audited. Yeah. And then they kind of, again, walked it back and said, well, if you're over $2 million with the loan, then you're automatically going to get audited. And a lot of people took that as like, oh, if I'm under $2 million, I'm not. Nope. That's, that's not, not how that works. That's, that's not, not how that works at it's all. It's not a guaranteed <laughs> audit. And so that was one thing, like, I felt kind of alarmist and I felt bad doing it, but I needed to be done. I, you know, all my clients that had PPP loans, I was like, please get your documentation in order now yeah. showing why you thought you needed this money. Because some of you may not, you know, yeah. like I had some, you know, occupational therapists that, you know, were like convinced that the world was ending. And, you know, when you actually look at their financials, they were actually not affected at all. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Like, yeah, they yeah. spent more money because they had to buy telehealth like equipment, but that's one time expense for the most was. part. Yeah. But they said, so, but I was still like, you know what, in case you get audited, it's more, the, this evidence is more convincing if it was prepared before than after the audit started. So please have your documentation in order telling us why you thought you were going to be negatively affected. And I think that's kind of one of the problems now. It's like, yeah, the PPP is still available, but things are, as you know, for a lot of businesses, not restaurants and cafes and things like that, obviously not where you have to go to it. But I think a lot of businesses are recovering and are seeing more growth. And so at this point, it's like, how do you, how would you prove that you thought you needed it at this point? You know what I mean? Because things are continuing to get better and better. I would, I would only think that, the larger companies might still need it due to latency of realizing profits again, because it's going to take yeah. them time to re reopen. Yeah. Like you just mentioned like restaurants, coffee shops, and you know, they're not going to have as long a trail right. to get back to normal. So right. I, I guess it's going to, it's again, it's going to vary per niche. And I actually, I, I commend the SBA for doing what they did and, and you know, our government leaders trying to get everything together at least trying to get some kind of relief for those that are affected. That's cool. Um, I like you do wish that they were a little clearer on a few things. Um, yeah. And I, I think, I think the only way uh, I'm, and I'm, I'm completely advocating for anybody to get somebody that understands this stuff, a CPA, whether that's you or anybody else that, that has your specialty to be able to weather that storm and understand where they, where they belong or don't belong when it comes to stuff like that. I mean, even getting an SBA loan, I mean, I've started probably six, five or six companies. Mm -hmm. And I was always told, go get an SBA loan, go get an SBA loan. And I looked at it and I was like, do you see the amount of auditing that they do when it comes to getting an SBA loan and how much you have to put together? I'm not that big. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have what they're even asking for. I'd, I'd literally have to hire an accountant to do all of this stuff because I don't mm -hmm. know how to do it. And mm -hmm. it, it, so it's like, it's awesome that there's a resource there. Do you really need it? Right. And if you do, are you willing to put the time in and the work in or hire the professional to help you prove it? 
because right. it's not just sitting down and printing out some QuickBooks and going, oh, here you go. It doesn't work like that. I mean, their audits are. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that brings up a really good point, which is, you know, don't wait until the last minute. That's another, I think, thing I see. Oh, there were so, so many that I heard that did. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. I mean, and it's not so much with like, you know, bigger companies, but, you know, small, like one, one to two guy companies, they, you know, they don't look at what, not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to generalize. A lot of them don't look at what they don't want to see. And then, you know, all of a sudden they're out of cash and they're like, crap, we need to apply for this SBA loan. And from what I was seeing, it was taking two plus months oh, yeah. for some of them to even just get to the processed point. The, the and moment, by that time, they, it's too late. they were out yeah. of business. The, the, the moment that we, the moment I, and I have a couple of friends like yourself that are, are accountants. I've, I've literally tried to get them on here, but everybody's inundated. So again, thank you for coming in and sharing some of this. But the moment we, the moment he heard it was coming, we were on the phone with him saying, get your shit in order and start looking at whether or not this is going to work for you. And if you need it, he says, did you do the EIDL? I says, yes, I did. He goes, good. Did you do the triple P? I says, dude, at this time I'm a sole proprietor. I don't even make a salary for myself. He's like, okay, then don't worry about it. Um, when you incorporate, we'll talk again. Um, it's still, it's too early for us to even begin to think about applying. Um, much less do I think we should. Because at this point, like you said, recovery is happening. We are starting to see some traction. We, we do have some people that are coming online that are clients. I'm not going to take advantage of something that I don't need. Right. Now, if there's, if there's other things that are, you know, grant-based or something like that, that might help enhance what we're doing and, and help in growth and kind of like use it as investment funding. Okay, cool. But I, I, think, I think a lot of times too, people have to be honest with what it is that they're actually in need of versus taking advantage of. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, 100%. Okay, cool. Where can people find you? Let's, let's, let's get them to where you're at. When you, what's your dot com? What's your, so, are you on LinkedIn, social? Yeah. For my accounting firm, it's honestbuck.com. Honest Buck? Yep. Love the name. Yes. It's my entire motto. Um, and then for my coaching business, it's rochellecolina.com. Cool. Um, and, my marketing person has me on social media. I personally am not for mental, like mental. Oh yeah. Oh no, <laughs> I got mental you. Mental reasons. <laughs> trust, trust me. Running, running your own social media is a mental drain. Yes. Um, as, as it is right now, I still run my Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. The amount of strategy sessions that I have to watch on YouTube just to keep current, decently current, I should say, decently current. Um, and the amount of conversations I have with friends that are experts, each of the different niches. Holy crap. Yeah. If you can hire that one out too. So. That, that is, that will, cause I'm, I'm not on social media personally, just because it's your brand is mentally exhausting. Your, your brand is that's, that's yeah, awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So I'll have those links up guys in the description. Um, and, and along with some of the points that have been made here, I've been taking some notes and we'll, we'll have that there in the. In the description as well if you're watching on youtube make sure you subscribe down there okay and if you're listening on anchor or any of the podcasts feel free to download it subscribe make sure you follow us we got a lot of wonderful experts like rochelle here who come online and just like give it up i mean if you haven't been listening she drops some knowledge bombs and there's some there's some serious gold in, in every one of these things that i do and it and it's simply because all we're doing is hanging out over a cup of joe that's that's all this ever is about guys if you have questions uh, make sure you get over to her at honestbuck or rochellecolina.com uh, send her a contact you know ask her a question she'll get to you when she can 
And at the same time, if you're looking for somebody that really knows her stuff and you haven't figured out that she does yet, go back and listen to this again. This is Coffee with Mike. I want to thank everybody for hanging out with us, having a cup of java, and uh, you know how I'd like to end it. Stay up, stay strong, stay healthy, stay safe, but live and live for good. Love you all. Thank you very much for hanging out. Talk to you guys soon. Ciao for now.